Hey, welcome again to the Three Wins Podcast. I'm Russ Clemmer, your host. I'm also the president of Legacy Advisory Partners. And today I represent the generation to the next generation of business leaders and owners. I've invited my father-in-law and the founder and CEO of Legacy Advisory Partners, who I'm succeeding in the business, to join me today. And we're going to talk about that, Gen 1 and Gen 2, the different perspectives. Uh, so all of you who are in the middle of that transition, you'll enjoy this podcast. Thanks for joining. And the main thing is what we're looking at is talking about being respectful of those who are letting go of control. David will talk about how to let go of control in a timely and, and, and suitable way. And I'll be talking a little bit about how do we make that as Gen 2, we don't try to snatch that control out of the hands of those who have gone before us. So uh, enjoy the podcast today. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you check the bell for future notifications. And we appreciate you being with us. Today, I'm joined by the cowboy, David Harper, CEO and founder of Legacy Advisory Partners. David, thanks for joining in on the, on the podcast. It's great to be here, Russ. It's been a little while since you've been on the podcast, but we have a great message today for the audience. And we're going to be talking about what you and I have been wrestling with ourselves, and we also guide other companies through yeah. the idea of generation one ownership and leadership passing on to generation two ownership and leadership. Yeah. Yeah. Passing the baton. That's uh, everybody knows that's what we should be doing. I think it's done poorly more often than it's done well. And I think the re the big reason, you know, and I'm speaking from my own struggles as a founder is, you know, our identity is so wrapped up in the business and, you know, success or failure is so wrapped up in who we see, our, how we see ourselves. And it's just so hard to hold something loosely and not try to control everything. Although controlling something may feel to be the right thing, we really have to go against our, our instincts, you know, again, a lot of what made us successful as founders to get things started was just, it was grinding it out over a long enough period and controlling as much as you possibly could. But then you hit, hit that limit where you, you become the bottleneck. And so one of the big bottlenecks is the failure to, to transfer ownership and power and leadership to the next generation. Yeah, so so digging into that a little bit, just control and and you know we've had I don't know a hundred or two hundred thousand conversations around this just internally, but we also right. see it many other examples and we've benefited honestly from the work that we do, seeing it in other yeah. companies and different yeah. leaders and Gen One, Gen Two. What is control? What does that look like? Well, the the negative side of control is it would kind of come to the virtue of territorialism. I've got mine, and nobody can take it from me. And that's not, you know, this has to be a collaborative, you know, for a company to thrive <clears throat> beyond the current founder, there's got to be collaboration and a, and, a, and a great level of focus on giving up control. So it's so easy for us founders to, to think I'm the only one that can do this. I know better than anybody else. They know that. They don't have the same experience I do. And we can talk ourselves into justifying retaining control when we really ought to be saying, okay, 
how can I relinquish control? And I think that starts with proper delegation. And so what I have seen happen, and I have experienced some myself, is I have held on to things that I really didn't enjoy doing. I wasn't that good at it, but I kept doing it because I felt like I was the only one who could do it. And, and then the reality is somebody else, if I could delegate it effectively, somebody else can do it better than I can. And I'm going to be in my sweet spot more of the time. You know, do the things that you really want to do, things that you're passionate about, the things you're gifted to do. Ultimate, you know, what happens is that really should have a better, a create a lifestyle improvement for the founder because over time you're able to relegate, delegate and relegate authority and power to other people to run the company where you're not nearly as necessary as you were in those early days. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the 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 one thing I would look at and, and comment and encourage whoever the Gen 2 is that's listening is to balance that, the, the, the need for Gen 1 to relinquish some of that control with the proper understanding and humility to not grab and take and, and be forceful with the transition of that control. And that's something that you and I've had to work through and balance. And, and as we talk through with other folks, sometimes we see Gen 2s like the attitude of just, hey, get out of the way and let me run. Yeah. Right. You, you know, you, you're doing all these different things wrong. And in the reality, you know, I think you, you, were, you were in this business, gosh, what, 15 years before I was born. Right. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. We, we've got a, you've got a, there's a, there's a lot going on that you forgot about that I, you know, I, I, I may or may not even learn. So it's one of those where the idea of if you are Gen 2, be patient, be assertive, right? Because that's the idea of you, you, there's got to be a push and a pull. Be assertive, but at the same time, be respectful of, hey, there's things that, that yeah. just need to take a little bit of time. And so if the dignity of, of the person leaving, right? And, and the person giving over control and letting go of certain things and the responsibility, right? Because it, it is, if you're taking something from someone else, you're incre increasing your responsibility load. Yeah. That's gotta be, that's gotta be finessed. And the best way to do it is open communication. And we found the answer in many times through just kind of doing a, a self-analysis of the grade eight. What does a grade eight do to help us with that important step of uh, change of control? Yeah, and I think the, uh, the grade eight combined with the three wins that, that we have been employing, applying to ourselves and to these other companies has really been a great tool for that. It's, it's enabled us to really, you know, have the challenging conversations that need to be had on Who's going to do what when? Who's going to own what when? What's the win for me? What's the win for you? What, what's the timing in all this? How do we spell this out? It's just hard to have those kind of conversations if you don't have the framework or the rules of engagement to do that. So what it's enabled us to do is really we've been able to have very frank conversations, respectful conversations, but it pretty, you know, sometimes very, fairly enthusiastic in our disagreement. But we're able to work through that and come to the other side and have a better outcome than we would have otherwise. You know, one of the things I think, too, Russ, that we have to kind of think about is when kind of what's the how does the transition actually materialize? I know when you came on in 2014, 
it was the idea, you know, Ann had recommended to me, she said, I think you need to hire Russ. I said, I think you're right. But that was, we didn't know what that meant back then. So it took, you know, probably two years of, I remember you were talking about the early days since you weren't really familiar with the financial services business, that you said, I'm understanding about one about one out of every three words that you guys are talking about the lingo so different and uh, so but you worked through that pretty quickly and uh, i think by the end of year two into year three people were seeing you as the leader the future leader of this firm but it 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 it, it takes a little time before that leadership to be recognized and i think that has to be one of the main ways attesting to the suitability of a successor is their leadership ability is recognized by other people within the company. Yeah, very good. Very good. Well, and, and, you know, kind of getting to the next thing I wanted to talk about was suitability of partnership. And we've got a little bit of a different kind of a unique thing. There's a non-family member who's a partner, right? Mark Walker. Uh, and then I'm an in-law, right? I'm the son-in-law. And so there's a, there, there's a little bit of a different mixture with us. And so, I think the encouragement would be as you go through any owner listening, as you go through the idea of who's going to take my business forward, the question is who's God got next to take his business. Right. Forward? Amen. That's, a, that's right. And so it, it, it and I, I do forever indebted to Ann of bringing my name up and put my name into the hat. And it's been a, you know, probably 99% of the time I'm thankful that she put my name into the hat, but <laughs> But what we have, what we have really the question and the encouragement to those listening is when you think through the idea of, right, and pray through and, and you begin to identify that, that's a, that's a work that needs to happen. Just because the person is identified or, you know, you begin that, that process of developing that person, it's the question of suitability from a, is that person a good partner, right? And this, that could look a number of different ways. So, in our situation, we were good fishing buddies, right? You know, father-in-law, son-in-law, good fishing buddies. But then all of a sudden, it was, well, are we going to be good employer and employee? And then are we going to good, be good partners after that, right? So there's evolution of our relationship from a professional side of things. And that's the same situation with parents. And so part of the encouragement is to say, if your mom and dad working in, you know, working and owning the business, son or daughter are both working in the business, how does that need to transform and how do you need to relate with each other and learn how to be good partners, right? How do you be good co-owners and go co-leaders in a business? It's not the same as being a uh, parent and child. Those, that relationship changes just like over time, it's adult to it. When you get a little bit older, right? Parents don't always talk to kids as a child and child children don't always talk to their parents as children, as they grow and get older. It's the same thing with part being a good partner. And that goes back to control a little bit because you have to open up some of that stuff. It's not always a, I told you to go do this. And well, I thought yeah. we were partners in this. Well, no, you're going to do what I tell you to do. That's, that's a little bit of what we see sometimes. Yeah. And that's and, a challenge. And when you see that, you know, we have seen that where, uh, you know, we're, we're talking to the second generation. I remember we were called on several, several companies. We've seen this we're talking to the second generation and we're relating, relating is, and then, and then when gen one walks in the room, you can almost see gen two begin to kind of step back 
and feel, uh, you know, restricted what they can say and feel like, you know, they've got to defer. And it really, it, it should be where Gen 1 and Gen 2 can, it needs to be equal, have an equal voice of expressing themselves. And, and of course, we know that, you know, over time, the transition of actual ownership has to happen at certain time sequences that make the most sense for, in, in light of the three wins for the company. And also kind of who's ready for what too. So all those things come into it, but at least there's got to be a willingness in Gen 1 to make sure that second generation is given a voice and they're heard because second generation is going to do it different, but ultimately it's, 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 it's going to be better than what it would have been if you held on too tight and restrict the growth of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So, so control and suitability, those are two, you know, really important things. What's that timing? What does that look like from perspective? What are some of the things we've seen and, and, you know, ours has kind of had to, uh, on timing and evolution, but what does that, what, what would you encourage Gen 1 to think through from a timing perspective? Well, just thinking about our own situation, a lot of it's due, you know, it's a result of, okay, you know, we've been doing our business development for a long time. We've been using different types of social media along with traditional means of marketing and relationship building. And, you know, that takes time for that to kick in. And, and if the founder's the only, the main one doing that or the only one doing that, that's not good. So, but they can lead out and, uh, but those things do take time for the marketing to kick in, especially if you're inviting next generation to come in and also do that as well. But then that, so there's, there's sort of the, what's the marketing opportunity, the flow of new prospects, new customers, what's that looking like on that end? And then you have to look at it, your internal personnel. What can we handle? And then so when you look at your, you know, we do the three wins work, we're looking at this financial model that's, you know, projects out five to seven years in the future. Most companies aren't thinking nearly that longer, longer term. They're more thinking about this year and maybe next year. And it takes, so if you can model it out further, you begin the, the three wins are more easily identified. And then we can kind of say, well, what's our manpower development look like? What are, what's our customer base look like? How's our service model developing? So this becomes more scalable. All those things come into play. And those really, those things have to be in play. Your, your system and processes have to be in play. The marketing system and process has to be in play before you can you know, actually relinquish the actual control of the shares because you know there's so much at stake that we just have to make sure certain benchmarks and milestones are reached before you can do that and then there's still even once that once that happens when you have officially and legally given up control of the business of the business there should be a role on an ongoing basis because the advisory part the relationship part can still be very valuable and I think for the founder, there's a whole new role that opens up, new role of how can they replicate their efforts, not only in their own company, but then share with others how, you know, how, how the way forward for a company to thrive beyond the founding owner. I mean, right now, Russ, and I don't know the, what the current statistics are, but I know there's billions, maybe even trillions of dollars at stake 
because the passing of the baton and all these private companies all over the world from one generation to the next. Uh, and uh, very few companies have really done the due diligence and the work uh, for, it to, for it to happen properly. Yeah, those are all really great points. Another thing that comes to mind on the timing is the, the kind of that gap period, right? You've, you've set your company up, you're, you're, you're sustainable, you've kind of gotten some things in place where one of our founders, he, the way he phrased it was, at that point in my experiment as an entrepreneur, I knew that even if you know the, the market turned sour and I had to shut the business down, I could do it. And so at, at you, as you've met that point, then you know you have something to transition out of. Right. And so anytime on the anytime on that continuum of uh, that that timeline of where you've kind of gotten to that point in. I could either sell it to a third party, right? There's steps you need to take to get ready for that timing wise. I could pass it on internally, right? And maybe that's a combination of family or just family, a uh, combination of key leaders, people inside the company. And we've seen a mixture of all of those things. And we're a little bit of a mixture ourselves, right? Key leader and in-law, family person yeah. in, 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 in your transition. And so, as you look at that, though, that the one of the things we see a lot in, in, you know, something that you had to wrestle a little bit yourself, well, what's the short term plan, right? What if right. something happens to me and I don't, right, here's the ideal and, and you get, you, you, you have time to work through change of control. You have time to map out suitability and things like that, the ideal situation, but it's still God's company. And if something happens to you tomorrow, Right. How, what are the steps yeah. that need to be taken in, in really understanding that short term? Because that's where we see a lot of people say, well, the kids are not really ready yet. Or, you know, I got a little thing over here. But what happens if it, yeah. if you're gone tomorrow? Yeah. What are you saying? What are some yeah, thoughts around that? There are three elements to that. One is there's the there's the control of the company. And that involves like who's going to own the stock. Mm -hmm. Governance. Yeah. Yep. And so the, the governance and then. And then how is that going to be funded? So most of the time it takes some life insurance funding for that to happen, especially, and then we got to think out really out far enough to take care of some future years because you're in some growth. But if you have, in, you have insurance, adequate insurance in place, we have a good buy-sell agreement, we've got the governance settled. Then we got to think about, okay, possibilities. You know, what, how are the roles going to change? Who's going to do what? Who do we need to hire? Uh, so, you know, th there's, a, there's more to it than just having the legal part and the funding part. You got to go into the operational part of, okay, who do we need to hire? Who needs to come in? Who's going to need to do what? But that, that's, the, those, that's the three elements, I think, of a successful, you know, crisis management plan where you don't have the time to meet the long-term objectives. It's, it's a you know, somebody gets hit, hit by a Mack truck, what are we going to do the next day? Yeah, the, the, and, and, you know, we, we've actually heard of people said, well, whatever happens, happens. You know, they'll sell it or they'll do this or, but that's not really the optimal. No. You try to get as optimal of a situation in the short term and then still say, well, if we had another five years, if we had another 10 years, this is what we really would like it to look like. And that's that part of that vision casting and being able to, but just because you 
think if you assume you have another yeah. five, 10, 15 years, yeah. you're not ready for the short term. And so that succession planning around roles, who to hire, the replacement of certain things. I heard somebody this week say, if I need you, I don't need you. And so the idea of if someone is making themselves irreplaceable, right? then they're not really taking care of the right. company. They're taking care of themselves. And so if something happens to that person, then the company is at a loss. Yeah. And so some of the, some of the governance and, and the, the, the replacement, you know, talent optimization and replacement yeah. strategies that, that you mentioned there are really important to take care of. And so as we, as a company, we, we look at it from the three wins, the shareholder win, the co uh, company win and the key leader win. Yeah. And the, the company win is really the goose that lays a golden egg. How do you protect it? How do you take care of it? How do you protect it? And it's really from a, from a, you know, you know, worldview perspective, that's a, that's a benefit and a blessing that God's given you. And how do you make sure it continues on in, in the yeah. perspective and the function that it needs to play? So the, the long-term perspective from a timing idea, long-term perspective and a short-term perspective, those are, those are really three things, control, suitability, and uh, of partnerships, uh, and the timing, setting up the timing of those things. What else would you, what, what other kind of, you just kind of talking points would, that you want somebody to be thinking through yeah. from your well, perspective as Gen 1? What would you, what else would you like? To well, well, two things. One, you know, going back to, you know, Gen 1, if you're the founder, you know, this is, you're, you've taken a lot of pride and a lot of your identity is wrapped up in the business, which is really not all bad. It's really a good thing. It's your legacy. You think of how many, uh, how much blood, sweat, and tears have gone into it being where it is now. And, you know, and you, by the grace of God, you are where you are. And yet you've had, you, you, it's been a, it's been a tough partnership to get there. And you think how the price has been paid. And so to not take the next step to say, all right, how can this thrive beyond both in a crisis situation or on, on, a, on a regular, if we have enough time situation, the longer term plan, then that's being very short-sighted. So I think most people who are listening are, are, I've already bought into the idea that, look, this legacy is very important to me. I want to pass this legacy on. I want the company to thrive beyond myself. Uh, but I, I do think there's a, there's a pathway forward to get there. And I think it really kind of comes back to these kind of first four, vir four virtues, you know, humility over egotism, Mm -hmm. which leads to, you know, role optimization and role clarity. And then the second thing is, you know, sometimes we're just so busy, we don't get around to it. And so we have this workshop around the MITs, identifying your most important task. So you have the bandwidth to have empathy with the person that you're with at the time. And then the, the third one is attentiveness over distraction. And that is where we have we have clear line of sight. Everybody, especially on the leadership team and beyond, they know how they're doing. They know what they're contributing, how they're contributing to, to the company. And they know, so everybody knows, here's how I'm doing. Here's how we're doing. And you do that with a you know, good, constructive way of doing your meetings, either on a weekly basis, quarterly basis, and annual basis. And then lastly, we think, you know, we basically, everybody's got to feel empowered that they're following a career path and they get feedback on how they're doing.
in a more formal way with these achievement updates. So those, those four things, I think, are the key elements of creating the go forward for a successful transition. Beyond that, there's the other three virtues around, you know, there's acceptance, integrity, and, and peacemaking that are really around communication. How do you communicate? How do we let, allow everybody with different gifts and personalities to bring theirs to the table and to be appreciated and valued and be heard? And then the last piece we've already talked about is the three wins. The three wins is really the financial construct of, of giving everybody a, a clear line of sight. So those are the key elements that have to come into play. I think both transition and then during the transition where you're beginning to give up the reins and then at the end when you've finally given up control, those are the things that have to be in play for it to ultimately be successful. Yeah, so, so, the, so the, the, what's required is, is some time to reflect and plan. Right. Right. It's also whenever you're dealing with numbers, the requirement around putting three wins together from a numbers perspective is openness and transparency. You know, saying, hey, I, I, if you're the only one that knows the numbers, you got to open that up a little bit. You got to have right. some, you got to have some, some, you know, sunlight and fresh air to circulate in those numbers and, and start to welcome some other people in. And, and it, it, it needs to be a process with, with the people that can impact it. And you yeah. don't have to know all the numbers but at least the key numbers, and it needs to be updated on a quarterly basis. And, and so it's yeah. to have this clear line of sight. It's gotta be, it's gotta, it can't, we can't only do it once a year. It, it can't, people can't be in the dark. They gotta be really clear on how are we doing? What are we on track for? How do we do the last 90 days? What can we correct on that and project that forward the next 90 days and getting that good rhythm for working on the business and not in the business? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the last piece is if you're kind of going through some of these and, and you know, the, the idea of people are people, right? And, and you get into some, sometimes you get into a private equity situation and, and right, there's, it, it's a calculator all the time, right? Publicly traded companies, a calculator all the time. And yeah. Not that they, not that private equity owned companies and public traded companies don't have great cultures, right? They're intent, they're, they're uh, yeah. intentional about things. It's not that they don't, but the question of, Often it's a cost yeah. over, over a people side of things. Yeah. And that's where the grade eight comes in. And that's what our conviction is, is that, you know, people are, people are what's running all these companies, right? Right. Who are running all these companies and making it happen. Yeah. No, but the, the, so you put the, the numbers together and the people together, the three wins together and the right. grade eight together, and you end up with a collaboration effect on profit. And, you know, just to, to remind the audience, we, we talk about profit in a number of different ways. Uh, and it's not just the dollar, right? It's not just the, you know, the, the return on investment is a number of different things can be tangible and intangible. And that's where it's important to go through and be open and communicate. And I think that's the, the if you've done enough communication and, and everybody's had a chance to influence the conversation, then more than likely you're going to come up with the right outcome. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that, Russ. Okay. Just a couple of, a couple of good points for the audience. Thank you, David, for, for joining and, and providing that perspective of a Gen 1 and a founder. We encourage everybody that's either in David's camp, you can give us a ring and David, David will kind of walk you through some things. If you're in my camp, Gen 2, coming up into yeah. the conversation, happy to 
to shed some light on my perspective as well, a little bit further. But again, the, the notes will be in the description below. Please uh, ring the bell over there to, to get notified when we put a new podcast up and also to like our channel and, and provide some comments as needed and share it with other founders and Gen 2s that are going through a similar process. So David, thank you again for joining the thank podcast. Thank you, Russ. I love Appreciate you, brother. All right, Great being business with you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Many years to come. All right. Thanks, Amen. everybody. Okay. Tune in next time. Thanks. Bye-bye. Right.